0: It's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey, and tonight is part two of our Megadeth battle. Are you ready to rumble?
1: Are you asking me? Yes, I am. And we are back. We are back for our weekly menage a trois of metal, rock, and whiskey. So for the listeners, yeah, so for the listeners that might be new to this show, we sometimes compare two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, usually argue, and very professionally debate the merits. And in the end, only one album or artist will reign supreme.
2: And tonight it will... In the other corner of the ring tonight, we have Megadeth's fourth album, Rust in Peace. And I'm really curious to see how this will turn out. Will we have similar opinions as we did last week? Will Matt and I kind of be on one side and Sailor on the other?
0: Well, I'm curious to see how this pans out as well. And I am ready to fight if I have to. Um, I'm actually really excited. Um, So you guys really threw me in the last show. And uh, I've been think I've thought about it a lot since uh, we recorded last and kind of been going over some additional arguments in my head. So we'll see if I need to do that or not. But before we start down this road, for the love of all things metal... What in the absolute hell is going on with our mother effing bracket challenge? This has got me so stressed Whoa. out. I had I even had to release a PSA. Matt, what in the hell?
1: Well, these all these matchups were random, but they all turned out to be matchups that are giving Sailor cardiac arrest. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> because <they're>, <laughs> <laughs> they are all artists that she loves pits against artists that she's not too fond of.
0: Well, not all of them have been like that. Not all of there's them. A, there's a few tough ones so there far. There were a few that were for very... For the most part, yeah. yes. Like Metallica and fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers. Which
1: she's talking about in particular oh on our first day. Who are you and people? we got the surprise of our lifetime. When the Red Hot Chili Peppers not only defeated Metallica, but they demolished Metallica. What in the hell is going ha- on?
0: This is what I want to know. How well, the fuck does like this bizarre show... World. Metallica is the reason this show exists, and they're already out of the bracket challenge. What the fuck?
2: Well, that's what happens when you put it out there to
1: the public. You know, it could go one way or it could go the other. I will other. say this to the listeners. When I filled out my personal bracket, I had Metallica winning this whole thing.
0: As I am lucky. I, you I guys, listeners,
1: same. you should be lucky that I do not have any money riding on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Break. For me.
0: I don't care if I have money riding on it. I'm gonna be <laughs> out there breaking some legs.
1: Well and then I will go back and say this in their defense they made up for it a little bit with the following day's matchup where they overwhelmingly Itch. voted motorhead over Danzig. As much as Itch. I love both of them, but
0: Oh absolutely I couldn't
1: absolutely. lose Lemmy and Metallica. Within God, a two day no. period.
0: That would have been it. I, I would, would have, have quit. literally, yeah. I would have just smashed everything. Hulk <laughs> smashed all of it. That would have been the end of the back bracket challenge. I don't care. I don't know. So, if you have not listened to my PSA yet, please listen to it immediately. Pause this show right now. Pause. Pause. Go listen to it. Pause. Okay, you're back. You listen to it. Heed my warning, my friends heed my warning and vote thoughtfully
1: and we have gotten some great feedback on this we appreciate all of the the turnout uh, that you guys have uh come to the polls and and voiced your opinions on this uh some people are a little upset about the quirkiness of the matchups i would say (laughs) Would be a great point, uh, but just know I will say this again: it is completely random. It random. is bands. It, was it is bands that we've covered on this show only. Right. Okay, so if someone's missing that you feel like should be in there, it is bands that have been covered on this show only. So do not get too upset. I've had, to of, I've had to talk. I've had to talk a people. A couple people down off the ledge so far.
0: Oh, same as me. Do you know yes. what it was like the day the Metallica <laughs> lost to the Chili Peppers? My phone was blowing up with text <laughs> messages. My Facebook, my Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. And I'm like, people. Uh, why are you asking me? I didn't do it. I'm not. I'm not the listeners voting. You are one of the listeners. Talk to your friends. Go talk to your coworkers. Tell your co- coworkers. Even if you don't listen to the fucking show, go to this place. Click this. Vote. Do something. Uh, but don't. I'm not in. Char- I'm not in charge of this. And the people I can't uh, do anything if, about it.
1: If there's a matchup out there where you don't like either band, vote anyway. Just vote. Yes, please vote. Pick the lesser those. of two evils. Because otherwise,
0: dun-dun-dun exactly. yeah. happens. Yes. Oh, I need a drink.
1: Alright. Yeah. So, Sailor did her amazing whiskey pairing for part two on Monday, and like oh, her PSA, you. you better go back and listen to that.
0: Yes, Because uh, she killed it
1: for two weeks in a row.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Yes. So, we know what she's drinking. Ed, what are you drinking on this He better be drinking evening? the
0: same goddamn thing.
1: <laughs> Tonight?
0: Because I know he's got it in his house. <laughs> I'm
2: not drinking beer again this week, even if it's a bourbon barrel-aged beer. I don't, Tonight, you should be
0: drinking what I paired for our show. <sighs> <laughs> Sounds like you're not.
2: I wasn't prepared.
0: <sighs>
1: yeah, two days but Anyway, prepared.
2: I am drinking something that was produced by one of Sailor's former employers, Ooh. as a matter of fact.
0: Who could that? It's oh, a,
2: It's a local favorite here in the Chicago area called Koval, and unlike many small bourbon producers... It is not sourced. It is actually Correct. distilled in Chicago.
0: Yes, it is.
2: And it is an is an actual bourbon. It's a younger bourbon. They say it's aged under 4 years. But um I'll tell you what, for a young bourbon, it is a very nice drinker.
0: They are also and I would
2: recommend it to anyone. They're
0: a very interesting distillery. The um it's a husband and wife team and it was really Um, the really the force of um, Sonnet, who is the wife, um, a woman on her own, of course, whiskey woman, and she single handedly helped to change the laws to allow distillation to be legal again in the state of Illinois. Um, Mm. And that is the story of many craft distillers throughout the country, you'll find. Um, If you if you were like, oh, I didn't know this distiller was in my state, take a Google's. Look up when distilling became legal again in the U.S., and you might just find that one of the people that really helped push that through was the owner of that craft distillery. It happens often, or several of them get together and hire a lobbyist and try to change that law, and it's a great law. It creates jobs. It creates tax revenue. It's fantastic. Prohibition doesn't work. Um So they not only create their own expressions, but um, they have a very large distillery for being a craft distillery. And if you're anywhere in the Chicago area, I highly recommend taking a tour of their distillery. It's very interesting. Um, But they distill for other brands as well. And that's actually how they funded their distillery in the beginning. And uh one of the juices that they made was for whistlepig many years ago.
2: Interesting. Yes. I did not know that.
0: And um Sonnet's husband actually goes to other countries and teaches people how to set up a distillery. Sometimes it's the the, the chemical engineering part of it, sometimes it's the footprint part of it. Um I know that last year they were going to and I'm sorry that I can't remember which African country it was. But they were going to be going there for a week or two. Um, and they do classes regularly. If you are an aspiring distiller, you can take their classes. Um, go to their website, um, Koval, K-O-V-A-L. And uh, they're, they're just both, they're both PhDs. They're both absolutely brilliant. And uh, I, I'm a big fan still, even though I don't work for them anymore. But um, really interesting. Their story is very interesting. It's very different than most whiskey distiller stories I can tell you. Very different. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you ever tried it, Matt? Uh, I have not tried it. No. <laughs> okay. L- listen, I've, I've tasted so many whiskeys. And sometimes if you don't go back and revisit them a few times, yeah. you can sometimes forget we've tried yeah. Yeah. So um, sure. I'm almost positive I have not tried that yet. Is it single barrel? I don't,
0: I don't think we... Yes, distri- it, is. it is. I don't think we distributed it in New Jersey yet. I'm not... No, it's in New now, Jersey. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It must have been brand new. Okay. It must have been brand new. Yeah. Um,
1: I haven't seen it in Florida yet.
0: I'll send you some, Matt. I still have a few bottles. I'll send you some. Cool beans. What are you drinking, Matt?
1: Well... I've seen this bottle make the rounds quite often on Instagram and the other social medias, but I really have... I don't have any experience with ever tasting anything from them. Uh, So this is the first time I'm dabbling in this, and that's Old Bardstown. Uh, This is the estate bottle. This is the estate bottle. And I'm very sick and very congested, and I wish I could pick apart what I need to pick apart when I'm tasting this right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. But for all intents and purposes... It tastes very delicious to me, but like I said, I'm completely congested. I'm having trouble picking all the things out that I need to pick out. Um, but first impressions are great on this. Uh, I know that it's gotten uh, pretty good reviews going around the social medias. Uh, so as soon as I am not uh, sick as a dog, I will certainly delve into this a little bit deeper, but that is what I am drinking tonight. Old bar, it's not a state spin, bottle been
2: on my radar for sure I've seen a lot of things about a lot of posts on Instagram about it and thought that would be a good one to try
1: yeah this one was about 30 bucks this one mm-hmm. I assume that they're yeah. reasonably yeah. priced Yeah,
0: that's a really great value budget friendly whiskey I really yep. enjoy it
1: 101 proof so mm-hmm. you know it's got that little bite which I like yep.
0: really great for cocktails yeah. Those are my favorite um, type of whiskeys for cocktails. Anything that's higher proof is fantastic, especially in cocktails with a lot of dilution. I know I've mentioned this before. If you've got a lot of components mm-hmm. to it, you know, some people like to do sodas or iced teas or lemonades. Go with a high proof bourbon or whiskey every time, and you'll be really happy because you'll retain the flavor of that whiskey and still get the other flavors around with it, and it'll level out that heat a little bit.
1: Yeah. I just wish I could fucking taste this, but I can't.
0: I'm kind of in the it same sucks. boat as you right yeah. now, Matt. I'm so congested as well. It's been such a horrible winter.
1: Yeah. So now, is this anybody know? Is this distilled? Because Old Bardstown is a distilling company, but is this distilled at any major distillery that we know of? Because I really don't know. I didn't have the time to kind of look it I up. I thought it was is distilled it really in or something? Bardstown. Isn't it called Bardstown Distillery? Yeah. It is the name of the distillery. Okay. I,
0: I believe so. And I believe it's, um, hold on. yeah, I'm trying it to just dis-
1: It just says, it says distilled in Kentucky and it just says old Bardstown Distilling Company. Yeah, it doesn't I think say it's, location.
0: I, I don't, you know, I'm wondering now. I should. And we'll, this, we'll have to look this up and get yeah, back yeah, to
1: listeners, the listeners. Yeah, listeners, this is, this is, this is this poor preparation to- on my part. I apologize, but...
0: I'm starting to I'm starting to like in my head have a recollection of it. It might be an MGP now, but it used to be cuz Old Bardstown was the original, you know, they used to make all the juice for the producers. I just
1: don't know why will it popped into my head, but I I could be completely off on that.
0: It's pop it's possible that they yeah. they bought that, absolutely. Um <clears throat> It is Willet. It. Willet it owns. It them. is Willet. Okay, you're absolutely right. right. Good. Oh, okay. um, but I think that they used to be the original MGP. You know.
1: Well, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I believe they per When did they purchase that? Because they also own Drum, uh, Johnny Drum, and uh, Noah's yep. Mill and Rowan's Creek, and I believe they purchased all of those brands. So. Um, yeah, there you go. We we're both kind of right.
1: Awesome. All right. So I don't look like an idiot.
0: Willet's <laughs> history is cool as shit, by the way. I mean, I don't feel like they get a lot of. They don't get. I don't know if we've. Have we ever. Oh, I did a Willet once. I think last winter.
1: I we did don't the Willet. I did the Willet pot probably. still.
0: Yeah. I think I did. A couple months too. ago,
1: but I had the cork fall in that bottle, which pissed me I off. I
2: paired Johnny Drum for our Drummers episode. That's
0: right. I remember you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a, their story is very, very cool. It's a very cool story. It's not a distillery that gets a ton of notoriety. Probably most people that aren't big, uh, American whiskey enthusiasts has probably never heard of them. You might right. recognize their bottle. It's shaped like a pot still with a long neck. It's, the mo- it's very interesting, um, bottle. Um, and then Rowan's Creek is, phenomenal and that noah's mill is
1: pretty good too And noahs they're both so hard
0: to find though they're so hard to find
1: noah's mill actually surprisingly enough i've seen it in many stores in new jersey and i've seen it in on the shelf in florida here as well
0: must be an Uh, east coast thing i can't find it i think it is an east coast thing because i
2: was i know i usually see it at mariano's here in the grocery store
0: in the grocery store interesting I'm wondering if I'm going to remember I told you guys how there's this one grocery store near me that will have like really strange offerings and the shelves will change. And like, you know, that's how I got the wild turkey last week. I'm going to I'm going to see if I can talk to their person who does all their liquor buying and see if it's a regional thing. I mean, they're a major chain. They're a Fred Meyers owned by Kroger. So there is, I mean, Kroger owns fucking every grocery yeah. store right now.
2: Well, yeah, that's this, this store that I just mentioned. Mariano's is owned by Kroger.
0: Every, and and Kroger's they has got
2: everything. a really good distribution for.
0: They do, for but it's definitely, I mean, re- regional, the, depending on if your state has allocations or no allocations. There's so much that goes into it. But um, I was thinking, because I've been watching how their whiskey shelves go. And I've been, like, there was one time when they had Evan Williams Green Label. I think they were selling it for $13.99. I was like, give me a case now. I'll take an entire case. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, are you having a party? I'm like, mm, yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: With myself. A party of one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway. Um Yeah. So I'm drinking Monkey Shoulder, of course, as you heard on Monday's episode. And hopefully you are drinking it along with me. And if you are, I would love to hear what you think of it if it is new to you. Send us a message. Let me know. all right guys are you ready for this
2: let's do it i am ready
0: so this is part two of megadeth and uh we left them off in an interesting place we're gonna pick back up they're in the studio and now they have a major label budget so um paul lanny as you remember produced so far so good so what and uh it took over five months to record. <laughs> the production was plagued with problems, mostly due to a lot of um alcohol and drug addiction issues on not only Mustaine's part, but pretty much all of all of the guys in the band. Um Mustaine has been said has said many times that the production was horrible. And he said, you know, his their priorities as a band just were not where they should have been at the time. Unfortunately, Mustaine clashed a lot with Paul Lanny, and um, he wanted to do things that Mustaine wasn't into, and whether it was because it was his vision or his state of mind at the time, um, it just, it did not work out. Um, so they became, so they had a huge blowout during the mixing, and um, he walked away, and Michael Wagner remixed the album, kind of took off, picked up where Lonnie had, left off and and remixed it so so far so good so what it was released in january of 88 and it was very well received at the time by fans and by critics um do you guys remember the album cover of this
2: yes this is a very epic album very, cover. It, it. It. it
0: is yeah um it also featured a cover of the sex pistols anarchy in the uk um, but Mustaine changed the lyrics and he said later, I don't know if this is true or not, but he said he had heard them incorrectly. Not that he had specifically <laughs> changed them. It could be either story could be true. I don't know. Um, so they went on a world tour so that they could support this album. Because remember, they've got a major label money backing them. Um, they opened for Dio in Europe and then they joined Iron Maiden's seventh tour of a seventh tour in the united states <laughs> i fucking love that uh, i <laughs> love it. it yeah um so in june of 88 megadeth then appeared in a documentary called the decline of western civilization part two the metal years have you guys seen this
2: not. i've heard of it but i haven't seen it
0: all right here's what we're gonna do we are going to i've got homework again for you guys do you have your pads and pencils ready
1: Got my pencil sharpened and ready. They're both,
0: they're both scrambling right now. Full of shit. So we're going to watch these Pen. documentaries. I have seen them several times. And we're going to do a show on them. Because, my God. Oh, okay. All I'm going to say is, my God. So the documentary chronicled the Los Angeles heavy metal scene in the late 80s. Um, so Penelope Sphearist had directed Megadeth's video for Wake Up Dead. And um, it's a more it was a more serious uh, video than a lot of the glam metal that was going on at the time. But <laughs> when Dave, when Dave saw the the documentary, this was his comment: "Why the fuck were we aligned with a lot of shitty fucking bands?" <laughs> and I can't say he's wrong. I really can't. Say, I don't know why she included them in this. I shouldn't. I, We'll save it for the show. And what, for the pa- pa- Penelope
1: Spear is for people who might not know who she is. She directed all the Wayne's World movies, too.
0: She yes, did both Wayne's really? World movies, uh, yes. Well, yeah, yeah, Interesting. You, you beat me to it. I was just about to say that. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, just well, we'll,
1: putting we're a fair reference in there. This. Okay. Yes. Steal that thunder.
0: Yes. No, no, please. It's totally fine. Um, so, in August of that same year, the band appeared at Monsters of Rock in the UK, and they performed to an audience of more than one hundred thousand people. And one show featured a guest drummer. Does anybody know who that may have been?
1: <sighs> Lars.
0: <laughs> <Anything> <laughs> you win. Um. Yes.
1: What so, he, what song did he play on?
0: Who the fuck knows? Who cares? I'd be
1: interested to look that up.
0: I'm sure you could look There's it up. Be I, a didn't, of I, didn't, that somewhere. I didn't go down that rabbit hole. I had I had too much shit to prepare. <laughs> I, I unfortunately went down the rabbit hole of the decline of Western civilization, which <laughs> I wish I I I've got to say this. I would have preferred to watch Lars Drum. If that gives you wow. any indication. Yep. Um, okay, so then after that, uh, the band was added to the Monsters of Rock European tour, but they only lasted one show. Drug problems hmm. once again. Oh, yeah, once again. Um, so after Monsters of Rock, Mustaine was like, "That's it." He fires Baylor and Young and cancels their entire Australian tour. So um, he said that drugs had really just wiped them out personally and as a band, and they just they could they just couldn't they couldn't keep up with what they needed to do. Hmm. So um, they. Uh, there's, it's so funny because when I put these timelines together, as I'm going through them, I'm, I'm reading things, I'm watching videos, I'm listening to interviews. I put in things that I later go, is this important? I don't know if it's important. Um So anyway, so at the time, Mustaine noticed that there were a lot of problems developing with Baylor and he so this is right before he fired him he brought in nick menza who was baylor's drum technician and he said hey if push comes to shove can you take over and he said yes i can do it and then he said if he can't come back from rehab can you tour yes i can do it so he officially replaced imagine your fucking tech replaces you that's gotta sting (laughs) <laughs> That's a really good thing. So he replaced Baylor in 1989. Um, also, uh, <laughs> when Dave Mustaine fired Young, he had uh, he had, had suspicions for a long time that Young was having an affair with Mustaine's girlfriend. Ooh. Yikes. So the band was unable to quickly find a suitable replacement for Young. And so at this time, Megadeth was recording covers, and one of them was Alice Cooper's "No More Mister Nice Guy," and that appeared on the soundtrack. Does anybody know a little trivia here of a movie in the late eighties?
1: No more Mister Nice Guy.
0: It was a Wes Craven oh. movie. I'll give you that much.
1: In the late eighties. Oh, was, was it late eighties um, or
0: early nineties?
1: Oh crap!
0: Late eighties.
2: What's the name? Scream. No, nope. late 80s. Um,
0: it would have been like 89 or 90. It was Shocker.
1: Uh, oh, you remember Shocker? I haven't seen that one.
0: <laughs> oh, well, well, go see it. Um, so the video for that song was directed by, of course, um, Penelope Spheris. And um, she said at the time that <laughs> th- recording this specific video, and she had already worked with them, was a Herculean task. She said that Dave was, like, so bad that he couldn't even play guitar because of his being fucked up on drugs. So here they are. It's 1989, and they're auditioning for new lead guitarists. And Dave, on the way to one of these auditions, is arrested for DUI (laughs) and possession of narcotics. Wait, it gets better. And and (laughs) possession of drugs after crashing into a parked Cop. Wait, wait for it. Occupied by an off-duty police officer.
2: <laughs> oh man. Dude. It's like something out Dave, of a movie. Dave, Dave, Dave.
0: <laughs> right? So he was forced to go into rehab. Court ordered. And he became drug free for the first time in ten fucking years. Damn, dude. Alright, so let's move into the period of rest and peace. So now Dave Sober, right? They're looking for a new lead guitarist. And among those people that auditioned were, do you guys remember the band Heathen at all? Do you know Heathen? (laughs) Yes. No. Lee Altus of Heathen and Eric Meyer of Dark Angel actually auditioned. I, I, when I read that, I was like, gosh, I wonder why. I don't know. Mm, It's interesting to think of which, if it would have made such a difference who he chose. Um, So, Meyer was invited to join the band, and um, he chose to remain with Dark Angel, though. (laughs) That's who I would have chosen, because I think that would have been such a great synergy. It sucks that he was like, no, (laughs) fuck you, I'm staying with Dark Angel, and now they're Megadeth. But, I mean... Maybe the guys didn't have their shit together yet. Just because they were newly sober doesn't mean they had their shit together, right?
2: Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> so uh, Slash had been jamming with Mustaine and Ellison. I think we talked about this, right? Yes. Didn't we? On a news segment many months ago. Um, it, it seemed for a minute that Slash was going to join Megadeth because Guns N' Roses was falling apart. Um didn't happen, of course, as we know. Oh, that would have then, been interesting. Oh, that would have been totally interesting. I think it would have actually worked really well. I really I think it do. would have worked,
1: but just the thought th- of that is super interesting to me.
0: Can you imagine how easy Dave would have been to handle versus Axel?
1: Compared Ricks? to Axel? Oh, night and fucking all day, day man. Oh, you're talking about
2: Slash? Yeah. What do
0: you mean? Yeah, Slash.
2: Okay, you said Dave, but that's just... Checking. What I, no, she's
1: saying for slash,
0: no, for slash,
1: yeah, to Dave handle, would have been easier to handle. Oh, I, I, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I am with you now, the I'm catching up, but I'm yeah, with you, okay,
0: yeah, um, right. So, then, so Dave Mustaine and Dimebag Daryl were very good friends, and he offered the job to Dimebag, but <laughs> and I mean, again, this is a weird one. So, Dimebag said, Yes, but you have to bring Vinny with me, of course, right. He said Uh no. He had already hired Menza, but why? Why would you say no to fucking Vinnie Paul? Could you imagine
1: what what it could have been?
0: So Dimebag and Vinny Paul were a lot more serious musicians than I think they were ever allowed to be. Because I think of the way the band started off, who their fans were, I think this would have been such an exciting and incredible opportunity for them to be with Dave Mustaine and make more serious metal, harder, faster, thrashier. I think it would have been fucking amazing, amazing
1: dude. Just to watch them two play guitar together on stage would be and
0: Vinny Paul, incredible. With, yeah, with the way Dave. I mean, the the yeah.
2: that would have been epic.
0: He's sure. very unique in how he turns rhythm into lead. Dave Mustaine's playing. I think it would have been fucking brilliant. What is wrong with him that he said no to I don't know. Yeah, I mean those I mean
1: with you so you're talking Vinnie Paul, Dimebag, Dave, and then Ellefson on bass, right? Come, you're talking four, come on. on dude. They're been
0: sick as fuck. Yeah. Oh god. Okay. So anyway. Um Yeah, so that didn't happen. We can dream. I know. We can only dream. So alright, so uh Marty Friedman filled in the guitarist position. Um, as a recommendation of their management team. And, uh, so, so Mustaine and Ellison were satisfied with Friedman's style and thought that he would be, he would understand Megadeth's music. And that's really kind of how he entered. Not that he played things that were like Megadeth, but he would understand it because of his level of expertise, which I would agree with that. Um, so Friedman joins the group, and the band completed what most Megadeth fans consider the ultimate lineup, right, of Megadeth. So this is a new revitalized band. They're sober. They go into the studio in March of 1990, and they have co-producer Mike Klink in there. And boom, Rust in peace comes out. So for the first time in recording, they are all sober. There were no arguments, no problems, no bullshit, right? Clank was the first producer, by the way, <laughs> to complete a Megadeth album with be- without being fired.
1: <laughs> Dave. <laughs> I oh, mean, Dave. that's pretty
0: good. <laughs> I know, right? So, Rust in Peace comes out. It debuts as number 23 in the U.S. and number 8 in the U.K., So at this point, Dave has developed a writing style with a rhythmically complex, progressive edge and songs that feature longer guitar solos and frequent tempo changes. So that is a very um, basic way to describe his style. Mm -hmm. Um, So... He, they start to get accolades finally. Finally, they're being recognized. They receive a Grammy nomination for Best Metal Performance in 1991. The, their um third album gets certified platinum in December of 94. And then, so right after recording this album in early 1990, Megadeth joins Slayer, Testament, and Suicidal Tendencies for the famous European Clash of the Titans tour. Um... And then they did an American version of that. And as you know, that tour has actually continued. So here we are at Rest in Peace. I'm going to leave it right there so that we can take a quick break and come back, discuss the album, and start the battle. Okay, we're back. All right, guys, are you ready to talk about Rest in Peace?
1: Oh, yeah, so ready.
0: So, if feelings on uh, Megadeth Part 1, Peace Sells, Who's Buying, what your thoughts were, your feelings, and where you landed on that before you get into discussing Rest in Peace. Ed, do you want to go first? All
2: right. Well, since I went first last week, um, yeah, I thought... Peace Sells But Who's Buying overall was it was a solid, average metal album. Um, I believe my grade for it was a C+. Plus. Um, I thought it, they did everything you would expect a metal band of the time to do, but for me, there were there was nothing about that album that really jumped out and grabbed me and said yeah, this is awesome. It was good. You know, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from their talent or anything like that, but um, overall, the album just didn't wow me, I guess. There was no wow factor for me in the end, and that's the simplest way I can put it.
0: All right, and Matt?
1: And I agree with Ed on that, on his uh, opinion of it. And uh, I would also say it was an average, to slightly above average album. Um, and you hate to compare, but at the time you, you kind of have to. And it's for me of those big albums that were released in eighty six, eighty seven. It is the fourth of four big albums, um, and I just don't think it holds. It holds up to you know the other albums in the genre at the time. Uh, and Dave is great. Uh, Dave is doing Dave on the album, but it's just, there's a lot of misses, unfortunately. Not enough hits. So, I agree with Ed on that.
0: And I disagreed with everybody. (laughs) Um, I had a different standpoint, because at this time, they're... At this time, we are, and you—you you just said it literally. You are comparing them still to Metallica, which fair enough, right?
1: Well, um, for, I'm comparing them to their their peers at the time, not just Metallica, but, but everybody one of them in the genre. Being Metallica. Yes, yes, yes. And of
0: course, they were heavily compared to Metallica because he came from Metallica, and sometimes so,
1: unfairly, unfairly.
0: Right. Yes. Sometimes fairly, and sometimes unfairly. unfairly yes. I'm totally agreeing with you. Yes. So in '86. Master of Puppets comes out in 86, Peace sells, But Who's Buying comes out. And what I'm saying is, you have a band who has a track record and has money behind them and major label money and production behind them, and they come out with Master of Puppets, and then you have a band that does not have any of that and comes out with Peace sells, But Who's Buying. And I'm sorry, but it fucking holds its own. To and That's why I, I will compare those two albums. And as we know, Master of Puppets is my favorite Metallica album, and I think nothing can rival it on the planet. Um, Peace sells, but who's buying, holds its own squarely against that album with none of the support that metallica got so i was completely in opposition to the guys on this one um so now let's discuss rust in peace and i would love to hear your thoughts guys
1: all right well i'll go first this week now being what you just said about that and being what i just said about peace cells if we're all in agreement that Dave maybe didn't have the right tools to work with, maybe he was given the shortest short straw, if you will, in this whole thing. Um, If this album comes out in 1986, it is as good and up there with all those other albums, because this album, if you are a metal fan with blood running through your veins and you don't think this is one of the greatest metal albums of all time, you need to get your head checked. Because this album is fucking amazing. <coughs> it is one of my favorite metal albums. And it's interesting because it's released at a time where... The, sc- the scene is changing. It's 1990. The decade has ended. We're starting a new decade. Grunge is on the rise. Thrash is kind of in a flux, I guess would be the right word for it. Um, you have Metallica releasing what many think... I would say the mainstream thinks is the greatest metal album of all time. The year after this album, Mm -hmm. many of us would say it's the biggest pile of shit ever released. (laughs) Um, And then you have this album released the year before that. And this makes them, you you don't want to use the word mainstream, but I mean, it puts them on the map at least. Um, And going back to what you said, sailor about, they were given kind of the short straw here, and P cells. You mean the, your,
0: shortest the shortest straw? The
1: shortest straw.
0: <laughs> the P
1: uh, yeah, where you say P cells holds up, considering what he had to work with. So if you can, if you take what you're saying as truth, and you agree with that opinion, very much all the other bands that are peers of him had a four year head start on him. Yep. So this is they are in their groove here, um, and. You know, some people, I've read uh, some reviews on this album that say it's progressive. Um, I would agree to that 100%. They, again, they cannot, and I'm guilty of it, as you just heard not five minutes ago. Guilty of comparing, doing the Metallica Megadeth comparison. They compared it to Injustice for All as being progressive. Many of us hardcore Metallica fans, there are two of them. there's three of them here, but there are two of them who feel this way, would say that justice might have been the start of a regression as opposed to a progression. This is a true progression.
0: Progression. Fuck yeah. Bring it, Matt. (laughs) Um,
1: This is a progression, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, this is one of my favorite metal albums. It is wildly fun to listen to. Dave is on another level with his guitar playing here. People ask me, people have always asked me when I state a strong opinion about why I consider Dave Mustaine to be a superior guitar player to one Mr. Kirk Hammett. Listen to this album. Listen to this album and you will be answered. You will hopefully have your opinion changed if you haven't heard this album. But this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the aggression. When I'm talking about the ferocity that you get when he plays... And you well, the watch them and the, technical-
0: the technicality yeah, yeah, as well. Of course. The, it's we, all there. We're not, oh, yeah, we have never sure. doubted that Metallica write amazing songs. What we have said often is that their technicality doesn't meet their vision. Sometimes, <sighs> Lars and Hetfield as composers and, produ- and producers are fucking phenomenal, fucking phenomenal. All of them technically as musicians. Not the best of the best, even though their music is. Right? Yes. I think we've all kind of always agreed on that. And Dave has both, in my opinion. Because he can back it up, technically. Right?
1: Yes, he can. Mm-hmm. But you need that level of ferocity when you're playing in this genre to ah, stand yes. apart and above a lot of your competition, if you if you want to call it that. But... um I think it's just it's like I said it's one of those albums that you have to if you're a metal fan has to be in your top 10 if not top 5. And for me it is.
0: And if you're a thrash metal fan it better be number 2
1: or 3. Um I would agree with you. Absolutely, yes. 2 or 3, definitely. When you're breaking it down to just thrash, yes. Yeah. Yep.
0: At that time period.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Edward. Ed.
2: Matt, I couldn't agree with you more. <sighs> oh. This album is everything I love about Megadeth. Um, Sobri- Sobriety obviously did wonders for this band. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Gosh, what else can I say that you didn't already say? This album is phenomenal from beginning to end um i mean tornado of souls i can take relief, leave but the rest of the album oh my gosh that kicking off with holy wars hangar 18 has always been one of my favorite metal songs period let alone metal you know megadeth songs um my god dawn patrol it's so freaking cool i mean if you like bass that's just a freaking cool... It's not even a... You know, it's a short song. Uh, but, yeah, it's just just really, really cool. Um, this album is a masterpiece. And I would put it up there, you know, like you guys are saying, with the top ten, maybe top five metal albums of all time. Um, yeah. So I don't know what else I can say other than... Yeah, I agree with everything. And, you know, it's
1: except for whatever they're, i said about are really justice it's, right? it's
2: really no contest between these these two albums um i would say yeah
0: so matt again i am also in complete and total agreement with everything that you've said and just to kind of um bank off of that you, you made an interesting statement about the other guys having four-year jump on on you know Megadeth and on Dave and yes and um, but here is what he did that sets him apart in my opinion from some and I'm saying some other thrash bands. One being Metallica, he continued to create new, inventive, fast, ferocious sounds in the thrash genre. Metallica went oh well. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, could they not keep up the speed? Could they not be cre- as creative? It, they, they, <laughs> Their downward spiral to me is moving away from thrash. And this is a band that said, no, we are fucking thrash. And we are going to continue to invent more inside the genre. And they did that so well. I am a Slayer fan. I know you are too, Matt. We've discussed Slayer. Yeah. And I know that you're not... <laughs> they have also managed to create new inventive thrash. However, I would say Megadeth does it better because Megadeth Definitely. Megadeth uh a Slayer album you can you know it instantly, right? Oh, that's a Slayer album. You hear it in 2 seconds I know that's Slayer. Megadeth I think is more inventive. Um so I want to read you the be- a little bit from an article from Loudwire. And the article is titled, 28 Years Ago, Megadeth Release, The Tech Thrash Groundbreaker, Rust in Peace. And I would, and so they call it a thrasher piece. I fucking love it. That's awesome. That. Nice. That is one of my favorite words ever. Um, so this is... Many say this is the beginning of the second wave of thrash, and I would completely and totally fucking agree with that. I think that were it not for this album, and I'm going to say something very controversial, I think thrash may have died. Thrash as we know it now. I think that... I'd agree with you. (laughs) This album helped to... That's a
2: bold statement.
0: it, It is a bold statement, but I believe in it very much. I believe because... Dave is connected to Metallica. Dave is connected to the early, one of the earliest bands in thrash because he was there making already making albums before this that, by the way, are not horrible albums. We're just comparing them to counterparts, right? They're still amazing in their own right. And then comes out with this when everyone else is kind of, we're starting to wane a little bit. We're getting a little bit more explorative, a little bit more adventurous, and those are nice words for moving away from what we've done so well and we can't figure out how to keep doing it, I don't think Thrash would have continued as it did without this specific album.
1: I agree with you 100% because if this album were released any earlier than it was, I think it would have been dead by 1990. And the fact totally. that it came out on nineteen in 1990 when the game was changing so quickly yep. uh, was was huge. Because I think so, it was... Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So September 24th, 1990 is when this album was released. Well, in, in August, on August 12th of 1991, Metallica's Black album is released. And for those of us who are thrash fans, for those of us who see Metallica as two different bands, and there are a lot of us, two of us are on this show, um for us after injustice for all metallica is a different band and the black album is the beginning of that it's a different sound it's no longer thrash it's no longer who they were and their origins some like that some do not whatever that's subjective fine but the point is is they are no longer thrash thrash is over for metallica and a lot of people said at the time and there are a a few videos you can find on YouTube from MTV pretty much saying Thrash is dead when that album came out. And the counterparts were saying, no, fuck you, there's Rust in Peace. And Rust in Peace has it all tenfold. Um, So Mustaine um, was driving one day and saw a car driving down the freeway and and they had a bumper sticker on it and it said, may all your nuclear weapons rust in peace. (laughs) so it was he said he described the car and the person in it it was a very hippie person in a hippie car and i love that he took something from a hippie person and made one of the most thrashiest albums ever out of it fucking amazing um really just this album for me is it's a so if you have to say you know a couple albums that are and i don't know if we've done this before you know, if an alien came to the planet and you said, "Okay, this is thrash," what albums would you? If you could only give two or three albums, what would you give them? I mean, I would always give them "Kill 'em All," "Ride the Lightning," "Master of Puppets." One of those albums. I would include this as well. "Rust in Peace." You cannot. This would be
2: a solid choice. You sure. cannot
0: understand true thrash metal without this album. To me, this is another dictionary definition of a real thrash album. And Dave's one of the thing that one of the things that I think set this album apart is Dave himself. Um, go to listen to actually, we'll play it right now. We're going to play five magics. It's the end of the song, the solo riffs right at about five minutes. Okay. We're going to play it for you guys. You guys can do this at home. This riff is sick as fuck. Listen. Now, I just watched this. Um, I think Dave did this. It's a YouTube video of him doing it. I want to say it's just a couple years ago in Vegas holy fuck he's his his finger like he's so good like technically so fucking good so they sound another band that sounds amazing live by the way i don't know if you guys have ever seen them live but they sound so phenomenal live
1: i've seen them on a very weird bill but i've seen them yes
0: <laughs> with who
1: so they were sandwiched get this they were sandwiched in between there were five bands on the bill so they were right in the middle so there were two and then Meg Megadeth and then two so so opening we had um, Trivium who is a which I like Trivium they're all right for a newer band a newer metal band I'm getting crickets here so I guess these guys don't know who Trivium is but uh, nope. there's a Trivium um, we had I believe it was Hailstorm also was next okay, okay. Then Megadeth, then Godsmack, then what? Disturbed. Yes.
0: What? Huh. Oh, that's weird as fuck. Yes. No thanks.
1: Yes. So okay. there was sandwiched in between that, and I was there for Megadeth, man. I mean, well, I respect so. all the other bands. <laughs> I respect the other bands and what they do, uh, but... Uh, yeah, it was that was that was a weird day. That was a weird day.
0: <laughs> I bet. I, I I saw them, um
1: Seeing Megadeth when the sun was still up was kinda weird.
0: <laughs> I actually saw them for the Rest in Peace tour in Columbus, Ohio. And wow. um I won tickets on the radio <laughs> to see them.
1: I yep. feel like that's not the first time that you've told us that you want tickets on no, the radio. No.
0: no, I think that's the only time. Really? Oh no, I won Chicago tickets once weird. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, who cares? <laughs> no, Or maybe maybe not. I can't nah. remember. Who the fuck knows? Well, you're my I know, inspiration. I know for a fact that I, I, <laughs> I won tickets because I, I, I remember everything about it. It was incredible. They are amazing live. I've seen them since then. I saw them in the early 2000s. Um, I can't remember who they were with. I also feel like it was a very strange... I think it was a strange bill also... In the early two thousands, but I so I'm comparing literally right 1991 or I don't know if it might have been 92, um, the Rest in Peace tour against them in the early two thousands, and I was just like fuck to me like same amazing still
1: yeah yeah when I saw them I think Endgame had just come out so I think that was 2010 I think well, okay yeah I saw them yeah
0: I think when I saw them it was like 2003 four okay. five something yeah. like that um. But the one here so one of the things, and I, I we we need to mention this to be responsible. Um, a lot of people talk about his vocals, and he is someone that has said, and you will actually hear a lot of singer musicians say this, David Bowie being one of them. I don't like the sound of my own voice. I didn't want to be the lead singer, but I couldn't find anybody who understood what I wanted the vocals to be like and sound like and write the things that I wanted to this music. Um, his vocals, his vocal sound has changed. Um, my ex-husband Jason often says that he sounds like the Grouch now. Um, and he used to be a little <laughs> more high <laughs> And he's kind of right.
2: We're talking Oscar here?
0: Yes, Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. Um, uh. <laughs> we, we've talked we talked about it recently um he's always said like look i'm not a vocalist you know i really i mean it's just kind of like well hey hetfield same fucking thing same thing yep. he never set out to be the lead singer of That's metallica right. mm-hmm. and that happens a lot you know in a lot of different uh genres of music so i have i heard recently really funny um I was having a discussion with someone, one of my friend's sons, and he's 17, and he considers himself a thrash fan and a thrash aficionado and knowledgeable Ooh, about hmm. thrash. And I was like, all right, yeah, let's talk. Fuck yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't like Megadeth because I can't stand Dave Mustaine's voice. <sighs> and I literally went, what? And I'm like, kid, you're gonna have to leave the room right fucking now you're gonna have to <laughs> go away you're gonna have to grow up a little do is, a little more does research it like, does it like tom
1: mariah's style. voice i mean come on like seriously He's,
0: you know really when i said to him like so to so i think it came down to so you are more focused on the vocals of thrash metal than the that would be like saying i like death metal because i like the singing. Because literally, death metal, you could be saying, my dog ate cat food today. You know? Nobody fucking really knows what they're saying. (laughs) Not that it's that. Not that it's like that so much in thrash, but thrash is so much more about the instruments than the vocals. Exactly. I just found that really strange.
1: I mean, out of all those guys, all the thrash guys we're talking about, I think... For me, anyway, I think Belladonna's is the best singer of those guys. I mean, as, really? As, I mean, I think so. No? Would you put him above James? I mean, you're talking Big Four?
0: Old James? Yes. I would.
1: Yeah.
0: I know. I put James. I'm sorry. I would put Old James. You put James,
1: James above Belladonna, Old James above Belladonna. Old. Yeah, yeah before okay. Hatfield
0: blew out his voice, I would. Yes. I would. Oh, right, that's
1: fair. That's fair.
0: I would. Um, Tom Araya? We all know how, you know, Ed, you and Jake feel about his voice. <laughs> yeah. Not so much. And I think a lot of people feel that way about his voice. Um, Although,
2: you know, I'd I, fair to say I don't think Jake would as opposed as much opposed to the voice as I am. Because Jake is more into like the more of the screaming kind of growling vocals then
0: but he didn't like it at all really okay remember he hated every well he hated everything about the band which seems strange to me but um the
2: repetitiveness i
0: just i just felt like it was something that we should mention um that it was important to to bring up and to discuss i don't i and i think that's also strangely i could say that's also kind of the beauty of Megadeth that the band doesn't rely on his vocals. Um it's not I about his
1: vocals, yeah. It's no, not about his vocals. It, no. It's
0: not. It's it's the, the, the music and
1: to and to his transcends. Cr- yeah and to his credit though, he kind of carved his own niche about his with his own sound and his own vocal style, if you want to call it that. It's a, his vocals yeah.
2: serve the music. Mm -hmm. It does the job, Mm -hmm. but that's not the reason you
1: listen to But, I mean, if if you're a metal fan and you hear the song, you know it's him. So, I mean, he has his own way of doing things. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, And and it's important for us to mention that um, Rest in Peace went gold in January of 1991 and was certified platinum in December of 1994. I mean, fucking kudos. As it should have. So that was that's a rough fucking start. I don't know that we have covered a band yet that it says has, has had a more challenging start truly than Megadeth had, than Dave did in his own journey. Um so I think it's a real like rags to riches story in this one. And I enjoy that.
2: Just say so you no know to drugs. <laughs>
0: All right, so before we end this show, we're going to take another break so Sailor can pee. And we're back. I really needed that break, guys. Thank you. So, now it's time to decide on the results of the battle. I mean, I think it's going to be hmm, I, I say, don't know. Well, I How have this thought is going. so from last week's show, I thought, "Oh shit, they might outvote me." And now I'm like, "Oh shit, I think it's going to be unanimous." Well, we really, I'm we really super the surprised. decision
1: is sailors here because our opinions are obvious here.
0: If oh. Was, yeah,
1: it's true. Oh, I mean, true. It's really the only one that has a decision to make is Sailor, because I think it's kind of cut and dry with me and Ed. Yeah, Matt, Matt and I kind of gushed over Rustin in
2: Peace. Uh-huh. So obviously that's our choice. Too. But what about uh, yourself?
0: All right, so I love Peace Cells, But Who's Buying? I will fucking bang my head to that album. It's in my regular rotation. I talked about this last week i have so much respect for this album for the time and the place for all of it i think it's phenomenal i think it is though i will say that i recognize it is a vision of things to come so perhaps if the band had disappeared after that album maybe i wouldn't think of it so fondly to be fair but rest in peace my god it is like I like I. I mean, we've already said how we feel about it. I mean, it is one of the ultimate thrash albums. So I have to go with Rust in Peace. I think you guys agree. So it's unanimous. Yep.
1: All right. Yep. Rust, Rust in, in, peace. Peace in Peace wins is the album that saved the genre.
0: I think we could say that. I think we can say no. It's
1: fair. Rust I peace mean, is it. the
0: album that saved thrash. Yeah, I agree.
1: You said I it. Totally and I agree with agree. it completely. Yes
0: absolutely well that was awesome you guys and surprising I I really came into this <sighs> did you
1: really thinking, think we're not gonna like it
0: yes yes I did I huh. thought you guys were okay. not gonna be into it I thought especially because Ed you and I don't agree on Metallica at all uh-huh. we don't agree on Slayer and then Matt you were not into Peace Cells but who's buy-in so I thought well fuck I'm going to be <laughs> screwed here. Maybe they just hate Megadeth. Um, and also, like, one of the things that we didn't mention probably is we give Dave Mustaine a lot of shit on this show. This is Just true. as we give Lars. And for mm-hmm. Dave, it's really just, you know, we kind of poke fun at the rivalry. He's always made out to be an asshole. I will say for myself that... Um, there was a period where he found God and got very preachy and very right-wing and non-inclusive. And that is a major fucking problem for me. So personally, the man I had a problem with for a while. But he's since chilled out quite a bit and recanted some of the bullshit that he spewed. So I feel a little bit better about him.
1: Now, well, second one, Seller said, as much shit as we give Dave on this show. And we do. We do, we do, because we do. you know this show is based on Metallica, so he's in a Metallica Outcast, so <laughs> it's almost automatic that we have to give him shit. Uh, oh. And as big as a Metallica fan I, as I am, as as big as a Kirk Hammett fan as I am, if you're asking me, gun to my head, I'm taking Dave Mustaine every day of the week.
0: Woo! That's a hell of a every thing! Every day say. of the week,
1: I've always said that, and I will always say that because I love his style.
0: I think I would have to agree because he's a composer. I feel yes. you know. I feel like, and I, I think we said this before that Kirk Hammett. I would love to know what he would do on his own.
1: <laughs> and you
0: know?
2: I'm curious to I, hear what yeah. our listeners would say about these two albums. I agree. Um, sound off in the comments yes. on Facebook and our Instagram posts. Um, let us know what you think. We're really interested to hear how many people would side to one album or the other. Yes. All right. So, if everyone, uh, all you listeners, enjoyed this discussion, we ask you to please join us next week where we will be back with another episode of the Metal Rock and Whiskey Podcast. But until that time, would you guys like to discuss anything you've been listening to or watching lately?
0: I haven't been listening to shit. <laughs> Matt, all right. what about you? Matt?
1: <laughs> well, I will say I have been completely uh, just smothered in wrestling podcasts because we're obviously myself and Rum Woman 24 7, uh, Jen from Pretty Good for a Girl. We are obsessed with wrestling. Uh, but in between all the wrestling that we. we Take in on a weekly basis. You know, I do try to dabble in other podcasts. And I'm a huge fan of um, a gentleman by the name of Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't know if you guys know Oh, him. Yes. 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 A very charismatic, um, very smart astrophysicist. You you probably know who he is. Uh, I would say he's cosmic. He's almost a a household name at this point, I would say. He's
0: a huge celebrity. Absolutely.
1: Uh, And I'm a fan of Joe Rogan as well. So I did stumble upon the episode of Joe Rogan interviewing Neil deGrasse Tyson about some things and man is that an interesting listen.
0: (laughs) I can only imagine.
1: Jesus. uh, You have someone like Joe Rogan who is very real world and down to earth uh and then you have someone like neil degrasse tyson who is if you know who he is you know who he is so it's it's a very interesting interview (laughs) it's about three and a half hours so hopefully you take you can listen to it in chunks but i'm sure that when you start listening to it you're going to want to finish it from the first start Um, so i would definitely recommend that episode of joe rogan with neil degrasse tyson
0: I will have to listen to that because yes. I am a huge fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've been following him on Twitter for many years. Um, it's really the only reason I have a Twitter account is for certain people <laughs> that don't and I don't I, I have a feeling that there's a lot of other people um that I know that do the same thing. I could give a shit. I don't even look at my Twitter feed. I literally have it set up so the people I follow <laughs> get I can see what they're tweeting. It's the only reason I joined that stupid thing because they're not on anything else or they don't use it as much. Um, Patton Oswalt is another one of my absolute <laughs> favorites. Um, there's so there's another um, there's another account called Forest and Friends. It's British, and they take these amazing. Like I'm assuming they're not making them themselves. That they're screenshotting them or something of these like cartoon bunnies but they're not cartoon they're like what's it called stop motion you know what I'm talking about when it's like yeah um, like they
2: stop motion they kind of real,
0: real. yeah like they're real but they're not Um so they it's super fucking inappropriate like <laughs> super inappropriate I talk about like blowjobs and shit like that but there's these like cute bunnies it's fucking hysterical <laughs> I live for that shit Um, But (laughs) Neil deGrasse Tyson is great. He's a great, great tweeter. So um, he sometimes saves my life when I'm having a bad day. He can put things (laughs) into perspective (laughs) like nobody else can. Literally.
1: You know, honestly, like in in this day and age of social media and and scandals, if something comes out about somebody – that happened in the past it's like it's, it's it's we're almost desensitized to it like we're not surprised that something happens honestly if anything ever came out about him i would be genuinely upset because that guy is fucking amazing
0: there was a <laughs> there, there are was very, a like few, a little thing that came out about him but it was you know huh it's it's
1: uh, like there are a few people that genuinely make me happier to be a human being
0: yeah yeah
1: and he's one of them just with and the I knowledge think- base that he has
0: absolutely and i do think some people exist have existed in a moment of time where things were permissible and if they were slight things that it was just a you know an of the time thing it's very slight it wasn't with bad intention it's you know i don't really know but i'll say okay you know what i mean like okay um but he is just oh my god I, i so okay we've talked about the film bohemian rhapsody several times on this show and now yes. we've all seen it, right? Yeah, oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so he tweeted in the film Bohemian Rhapsody, the word astrophysics is spoken twice. <laughs> this
1: is this <laughs> See, that's amazing. That's about amazing. the
0: movie. I fucking love it. Then he says another tweet supermoons, an insult to Superman, supernova, super colliders, the Super Bowl, superconductors, supersonic, and of course, Super Mario. He's, oh, man. He's just, he's the fucking shit. And you know
1: what's great about that is that, you know, it's him tweeting that and it's not some oh, publicist yeah. or somebody else. Yeah.
0: No, it's absolutely him. And he has been yeah. asked that several times and has, and, and his pictures, like he tweets some of the photos of himself that he tweets is fucking hysterical because you know, he got how he first got famous was from his ties, right? You guys know that? Can you see that? I'm I'm trying to show them a picture. Yes. Yes. Ties. Yes. yes. So he would always wear these quirky ties with, like, moons and stars and something spacey on them. And then he started having vests. And so <laughs> women started making him all kinds of stuff. <laughs> handkerchiefs and sweaters and vests and sending them to him with, like, spacey themes on them. And so that's kind of his shtick. So some of the photos that he does, like, the, and he just makes fun of himself all the time. And I love that about him. It's so funny. But... I've learned a lot from him as well. Oh, I've yeah. learned a whole lot from him.
1: But well, please listen to that episode because I think you'll find it fascinating. I'm, I can't yeah. wait.
0: I can't wait. I'm so excited. All right. Ed.
1: Well, as for myself,
2: uh, um, I've still been listening along with uh, D. Snyder's podcast. Um, I Want to Talk. And this latest episode, episode 17, called Sometimes You Get It Wrong is a very interesting episode. I
0: can't wait to listen. He
2: gets into a little bit of Twisted Sister's history and a little bit of Metallica's history Mm. and his interactions with Metallica way back in the day. Oh, And given what we've covered on our episodes of Twisted Sister and Metallica, it was extremely interesting to hear... From the point of view from someone who was there oh, at the damn. time back in the day, and I'm not going to say any more than that because I don't want to spoil it. Okay. But uh, yeah, if if you're a fan of these guys, this is definitely. I'm just a, trying to a a think of when they would have ever to. crossed paths. But I'm,
1: oh, I'm probably eight, oh, probably oh,
0: early. No, early, no, early they've been yeah. they yeah. were
2: billed then. together multiple times. Yes. Oh, really? Do you remember okay. Right.
0: Matt on the Def Leppard show when you were flipping out that, that we kept calling Def Leppard heavy metal or they were metal or whatever. Again, you've got to try and fathom how small the universe was back then. I don't want and to go so, back to that
1: time. I'm sorry. No,
0: we don't have to, but <laughs> Twisted Sister and Metallica would have absolutely been built together. I would have, you know, worn a Twisted Sister button and a Metallica t-shirt at the same time and thought nothing of it back then. It was, they were one in the same. So, they would have absolutely had but i can imagine a lot but think about of how
1: weird that is for you to say now
0: i don't though i Come on. I, I don't know. I, I don't i don't really huh? no i think it's the same as now i can literally you know before the podcast i'm probably listening to what we're going to cover that night after the podcast i'm probably going to turn on miles davis or, uh, you know, I don't know, salsa music, Beethoven, um, I don't know, Willie Nelson. Like, it, it's, I, I feel like it's kind of the same thing. I know that you're stuck that we all called it metal, but now we have so many derivatives. We just didn't have derivatives then. You don't get upset with the derivatives, right? No. Like glam metal. No, I prefer the
1: derivatives, yeah.
0: Okay. But they you have to think there was a time when they didn't exist.
1: Right. Because it was
0: just happening. So it was all just called metal. Because it was just happening. And and that's how history goes.
1: So you're saying I didn't always have my personal phone like this?
0: Correct. There was a you time when
1: the phone was just a thing in a room in a house.
0: Not only You that- actually
1: had to put your
2: finger in a round circle and, and it was move corded it and it had a fucking oh. <laughs>
0: cord so you were tied to a wall with the cord mat imagine
1: wow so imagine. people didn't have their phone it was just the phone the the phone. house phone the house yes. phone and
0: god forbid you were a teenage girl you heard every half hour get off the phone you have been on the phone too long get off the phone it's going to cost me a oh fortune I didn't call her mom. She called me. It's not going to cost us anything. I don't care. I have to make a phone call. Get off the phone.
2: And calling someone in another state costs extra.
0: <laughs> so another state, dude, in another city, Ed, remember? If it was that's out of well, your area code, too. it was long, of distance. Air, yeah. long distance. Out of your
2: area whatever. Long distance Out of your
0: area code was long distance. Because yep. I was 212 forever. To all you New Yorkers out there, you know the 212 is the original New York City area code. And if I called Matt in Jersey back in the day... I would have been in big trouble when that phone bill yeah, came. It's
1: like, so Ed, oh, yeah. Ed wants to call someone in Springfield. He's getting in trouble. Fucked.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cause, that's right. Because if your parents yeah. were anything like mine, if they saw long distance numbers and didn't recognize it because everybody's parents had a phone book next to the phone, they would call that number and say, who are you? Why did, why did someone from my house call you? And that wasn't a strange <laughs> phone call to get. And if another parent answered the phone, they totally understood why this phone call was happening. They'd say, well, this is the so-and-so house, and I have children named blah, blah, and blah, blah. Oh. And then you'd get in so much fucking trouble because he made a long-distance phone call that cost 20 cents.
2: And this will probably blow Matt's mind. But this was back in the day when if you wanted to call someone in the same town, all you had to do was dial the
1: last four digits.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. true. Never
1: experienced that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. You want to get even more ancient? Oh, geez. So <laughs> in the boroughs of New York City and in some parts of Manhattan. So phone numbers used to be. And if you watch old movies, you know, you would call the operator and go, give me Evergreen 213. Right. Well, because it would go by your street and your house number. That was your phone number before you could dial directly. You had to call, pick up your phone, get to the operator and ask for, and it was the address basically, right? When I was a little kid, little, you could still do that. You could still pick <laughs> oh, up the man. phone. But then we had to dial zero and you could say, give me Ditmars 51. And you would get connected. <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs> wow. I never even experienced that.
0: Yeah, that's the old New York. <laughs> yeah, jeez. How the fuck did we go down this rabbit hole?
2: Yeah. I don't know. I do think since you May brought- I, so- why
1: don't you bring us back? Well, wait, before <laughs> I do that, I think since you brought it up, Sailor, <laughs> and I think we should take maybe five minutes to discuss that we've all seen Bohemian Rhapsody now and give a quick- Yes! Give a quick couple sentences on how we felt about the movie, the pros and cons and everything so Ed since you saw it first maybe you should go first yes you go first Ed oh I thought it was a great
2: movie I thought I was very surprised at how well um, Freddie Mercury was portrayed and everybody else Um, to me the ending was a big surprise Um, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who may not have seen it yet because it's still fairly, fairly recent movie but yeah, the ending was a big surprise for me and it was was awesome. It was the, that was a great payoff at the end.
0: No, the you movie. can spoil it. It's been long enough. We'll put a spoiler in You think alert so? Okay. We're
2: basically they you can't they talk recre- about it
0: properly without
2: recreated the live the live aid performance. Um, like basically like about maybe like three quarters of it. I they really eliminated a couple of the songs most for time, part but pretty it. much it yeah. was like shot for shot. Yep. A recreation. It was of, actually, I, did you yeah. see the side by side? Yes, I did. It was side by side. They, I mean, I, it's unbelievable that they went through that much trouble to recreate it, but they did it and it was awesome. Um, So, but yeah, you know, and, I can't think of really anything bad to say about about the movie. I just it was I just found it so enjoyable to watch, and um, and yeah, just I mean it started off a little maybe a little slow, but you know you kind of had to kind of lay the groundwork for the history of this this band and how they got together and everything. So that that was fine, but um, yeah, I just really enjoyed the movie. Um, you know, I don't. I wasn't there so I can't vouch for the accuracy of every little thing but to me it told a great story and that's what a good movie does is tell a great story and um so I'd recommend it to anyone else who who likes likes Queen's music I think it's a great movie.
0: Matt, what about you?
1: <clears throat> I agree with that 100%. Fantastic movie, great performances. Um if there was anything that I might have to take uh negative from the movie, and I had this conversation with Ed, it's it's a movie about Queen, but it left me wanting more Freddy. That's what I'll say there. Is that I wanted more of his story, his backstory, his personal life, more of that stuff. Maybe even more of the controversial stuff that was you know, controversial at the time. Um if you can go into it, think knowing it's a Queen movie and it's a movie about Queen, then that's fine. Uh, I went into it feeling that it was going to be a movie about Freddie, so maybe I was a little bit detracted well, from that. They didn't
0: call it the Freddie Mercury movie. They very true. No, very Rhapsody. true. Very true. So I, um, I expected it. to be I about had Queen. I
1: had followed yeah. this project from when it was fledgling, when
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was Sasha Baron Cohen from mm-hmm. Borat who was going mm-hmm. to play um -hmm. freddie mercury and who had gotten who had pulled out of the project because he wasn't agreed in agreement with the directors and the writers about the direction of the project and everything um but that being said uh i think a lot of credit also not just Remy malik who played freddie mercury and won the academy award so congratulations to him on that yes uh but the other uh actors who played the band were amazing uh, in all of their parts as well, they looked the part, they sounded the part, they were they were great. Um, and I think that it can't it can't be lost on anybody um, the importance of that performance that Ed spoke of at Live Aid '85 was arguably, and many critics say, one of the greatest live performances of any band ever. And yes. if you want to look at who they were performing next to whether it be in Wembley or in Philadelphia, which was the other venue for that concert. uh, You can see the company they kept at that time. And for them to have the best performance, you could see how special it truly was, considering the names that they were going against. Um, So it was an amazing movie. Uh, Maybe I went into it personally with the wrong expectations, but at the end of the day, it's an artist and a band that I think people in 2019 have to go and see that movie to see how special they really were.
0: I totally agree with everything. Both of you guys have said completely. um, Matt. The fact that you mentioned Sasha Baron Cohn, I just want to say a little snippet about him. Um, You remember when walk the line came out? Yes. Do you know how many actors pulled out of that movie?
1: Probably a lot. Hmm.
0: On both sides. Yes. We're playing Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash. And the two actors that went on to play <laughs> tried to pull out. Both of them sat down with their legal team and tried to pull out because they were terrified. When you are p- portraying entities like Johnny Cash or, um, I mean... <laughs> I can't imagine who's going to play Prince, and you know, because you know that's going to happen. You know it's coming. Yeah, I, I, it's got to be terrifying, um, especially when you get into things like, well, you're going to have to learn to play guitar if you don't play guitar, because when you're strumming on stage, it can't be bullshit, because these days mm-hmm. that's just not acceptable. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen was a fantastic choice early on. Um, not only does he also kind of look like him and could pass for him, he can say, man. <laughs> he has a super similar upbringing being born in London, um, which uh, uh, Freddie Mercury was raised in London, being from um, a family uh, from the Middle East or near the African Middle East um, and then rising to fame. I, I would have thought that was a no brainer for sure at the time. Um, I don't really know why he pulled out, but whatever. But I just wanted to give him his due credit. Most Americans only know him as Borat. I lived in the UK for a while, and I lived in Europe, and he is a very talented man. He has Ollie
1: G. I mean,
0: beyond even beyond, he's he's been in Fiddler on the Roof. He's a he's a great theatrical. Well, Le
1: Miserable! The guy can sing, man. Oh God, he's got great pipes. And that's
0: one of the reasons they approached him, because he's a hell of a singer. What we get over here in the U.S., and you have to understand that Borat was actually making fun of Americans, and that was the whole purpose of it. Um, He's incredibly talented, so he would have been a great choice, but thank God they went in the direction that they did. Thank God. I love that um, Brian May... And Freddie Mercury's sister spent so much time with Remy. I thought that was, when I read about that, it was amazing. Like months, months and months. Um, and that the band was so supportive of this movie, I felt was very important. And Freddie's sister, um, to be so supportive that they, so, um, you know, that, I mean, Malik did a kind of uh, guitar clinic with Brian May. Can you imagine? <laughs> um, okay, I'll I'll take that. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> and just spent so much time with his sister, wanting to hear like you know these ticks and quirks and this cadence of how he spoke. Was that really how he spoke in person too? You know, to get that, I think is really amazing. So when I heard that they were. Not only, like, yes, yeah, sanctioning the movie, but that involved in the movie. I was like, okay. Because
1: you knew right. you know it wouldn't be, like, 100% Hollywood. You knew there was some realism in there that could lend to the character.
0: Exactly. Yeah and freddie mercury's ex-wife who was in fact the love of his life and they were in fact best friends until the day he died and stayed in each other's lives however challenging that was that was all true and she was also a huge part of the movie and sanctioned it and spent time with him and spoke to him and kind of tried to give her stance on why she remained so close to him you know because i think a lot of people would just be like what the fuck you know um so, I loved all of that before I even saw the movie, but I was expecting it to be a Hollywood movie about the band, or they were going to kind of shaft the band and it was just going to be about Freddie Mercury. I think they did a good job of being inclusive, in my opinion. So, I did not have high expectations of it. Um, and I will tell you, I am not a crier. I am definitely one of those people that will pretend I'm not crying and be like, <clears throat> You know, like, oh my allergies. I'm fine, I'll choke it down. (laughs) I legit cried twice in this movie. Like and I was like, oh fuck, and one time I got up to go to the bathroom and Robin was like, Do you want me to pause it? I'm like, Yeah, I'll be right back
2: (laughs) And then
0: he was crying once and I'm like, Okay, it's not just me. Like I felt stupid for crying, but it was so emotional and i was very very happy that they focused i was afraid they were going to focus too much on his personal life which i felt like would have been very very wrong especially at the time because him just being who he was and loving who he wanted to love was not okay and not acceptable at the time so i was glad they stayed away from that it was in there of course because it's part of who he was but um i'm very glad it wasn't sensationalized and I could not agree with you more, Ed. The ending was unbelievable. As I'm watching it, I had not heard about the shot by shot yet. And I did watch Live Aid for Africa as a kid on TV. And I did see that performance in person. It was very young. I don't remember it like clear as day, of course. Um, but when I watched, as I'm watching it, I'm just like, especially because when we covered Queen... We all watched that, remember? Yep. And I think we also yep. talked about it on our MTV episode as well, because MTV aired it, um, mm-hmm. and was a huge part of that whole Live Aid for Africa. So I've watched it several times recently, and the whole time I'm going to Robin, look, oh, that, that's that's like, like that's really what happened. Oh, that's really what it looked like. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's really what he did. Is that really real footage of the audience? Holy shit! They look at like that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I'm probably throwing him crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> afterwards, I was like, you got to watch the real thing. So the minute the movie was over, we pulled up the YouTube. And he was like, holy fuck. I'm like, right? And then when I saw that shot by shot, that was fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I loved it. If you have not seen it and you are a Queen fan, my God. It's
1: a must see. Huh?
0: <laughs> what are you waiting see for? It. Go see it.
1: So, to all of our listeners, our fellow Metal Rock and Whiskey Obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes. Please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. You can also follow us individually on Instagram. Yours truly at The Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E Ed.
2: Find me at Bourbon Geek on Instagram. Sailor.
0: You can find me as Sailor Retro on all the internets. Matt, blow your nose. And <laughs> hey, Lars, I'm not going to say fuck you tonight. The end. Goodbye. Wow.
1: Go vote. Later,
2: everyone.
0: Oh, yeah. Go vote. And listen to my PSA. Or else.